CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. First story of the day, let's talk about the Biden executive order. This thing made waves when it was first announced in March. And now most of the responses to the executive order are due by Labor Day. This is when we hear various agencies in the government say how they are going to support or not this executive order, and we'll get some interesting details published to the public record. So this one should be interesting in terms of seeing how Biden EO, which was seen widely as positive by the crypto community, will actually be executed across the Biden administration. Good stuff here. I'm going to kick it straight to Jen for her thoughts on Biden EO coming into coming into shape. So much has happened since March. And so I'm really interested to see what comes out in this report. The tornado cash sanction comes to mind. I wonder if these things are going to be taken into consideration or if we're going to see kind of these agencies be blind to what's happened and stick to the facts. So that will be really interesting. I'm most interested in seeing what the Justice Department comes back with. So they'll be providing a legal assessment on whether Congress needs to put out a new law when it comes to CBDCs. You know, we've spoken a lot about CBDCs on this show uh, when it comes to surveillance and how the government is thinking around that. And so that's what I will be looking forward to. But it will be interesting what information is pulled from all of these headlines we've been seeing since March in the reports. Will, what do you think? Yeah, there's a ton of different administrations that are going to touch this, right? The Office of Science and Technology, the Treasury, as you noted, Justice Department, Commerce Department, other ones. We'll see like how they kind of stand on these things. And I'm very curious because every single part of crypto has a different angle that applies to all these administrations. They're all going to have their own takes on it. Hopefully there's nothing that's like too one-sided, right? I think that's the fear for everybody that there's going to be a bias involved. We're going to see some recommendations for an executive order that's going to go against the industry. And then all of a sudden, crypto industry is faced with like a seven-headed hydra, right? Where there's so many problems to swat down at the same time. That could really be a difficult season for a lot of those people in the nonprofit world out there who are trying to help crypto adoption. Hopefully, when this comes across, the EO is pretty tame. I think we've seen that so far with some of the EO stuff from the Biden administration. There hasn't been anything that's like too complex. The most concerning is definitely the Treasury, which even going back to the Trump administration has been trying to put some very onerous regulation on top of crypto, the wallet to wallet. Uh, transaction information is the one that I can think of most clearly. 
And then also maybe like the $600 charge limit that you have to notify the treasury about was also pretty onerous. Those things I'm worried about, like more of those things happening. And that could happen, right? If we have all these different departments coming with recommendations about how crypto should be uh, used and regulated, you could come up with a list of problems for crypto. And that's mainly going to fall on the people in crypto, right? Like the exchanges, the lenders, the operators, the miners, the validators. Those people are going to have to deal with all these regulations, and that could be really troublesome. Going into a bear market, no doubt. Uh, regulation is expensive, and it's not great to have that on top of heads of people when revenue is also down. Wendy, I'll throw it to you for your take. So I'm not excited about this at all. I really feel like it's going to do nothing but cause problems in the industry. It's going to stifle innovation. Again, it would be nice to get some sort of clarity as to how to pay our taxes, probably dealing with mining, proof of stake, all of that stuff. But at the same time, I'm just not very optimistic that we're going to see anything good come out of it. I feel like every single time we go into a bear market, we have negative price action. This administration and previous administrations like to kind of release some sort of regulation or whatnot to essentially FUD the market even more than we've already seen. As far as the regulation goes, I think they are going to hit heavy on CBDCs because they do. America does need one. Well, they do need one in order to compete with China. And I also know that there is going to be a lot of more laws and bills introduced in quarter one of 2023. And I'm just not very excited about it. Wendy, to your point, I think that we're probably going to see a lot of what's recommended by these different agencies, maybe even contradict each other. And I just wonder how we're going to get clear guidance out of this. It feels like it's just going to add to the opaqueness that we've been speaking about already. We saw Hester Pierce kind of push out something a while back, you know, kind of giving like a grace period for some of these different crypto companies to continue to build and to continue to, you know, prove that they have valid utility. And I believe that that was shot down. So therefore, again, I'm not very interested and excited about what's going to come out. I mean, interested, yes, but I'm not very excited because like what Jen said, it's just going to be a bunch of contradictions between different agencies. And I don't think the U.S. government is equipped to really kind of take the reins on this. I think what they really need to do is they need to actually introduce a brand new agency that is experienced in crypto, experienced in Bitcoin, experienced in NFTs, people that are actually kind of in the space that are doing things, maybe different attorneys. But again, we're seeing a lot of contradiction between these agencies. Will, really quick before we talk about my story that directly relates to this. Department of NFTs would be very interesting. I just want to riff on my last that. take on the show. I think it was on Friday last week that I think this bear market is going to be really interesting for the reasons that the bull market wasn't. And that is regulatory clarity. I think there's going to be a lot of things coming out and a lot of people are going to be concerned about what's going to happen. And while at the bull market, we had a lot of price action and a lot of projects that pump up and do really well or completely fail and explode like 3AC, Celsius, etc. I think during the bear market, we're going to have a different scheme or a different playbook out there where it's going to be a lot of regulatory action. And that's what's going to be dominating crypto Twitter. We're going to be moving to a new chapter for crypto. Tuesday's top story. Elon Musk's back. So oh, his no. team... I know, slow news day, but we got Elon. So his team sent a second letter calling off the $44 billion acquisition of Twitter. The letter again claims that the information provided by the social media platform was false and misleading and cites Twitter whistleblower Peter Zatko. So he's Twitter's former chief security officer. He claims that he uncovered extreme egregious deficiencies by Twitter in every area of his mandate. Now, a Twitter spokesperson 
uh, countered what he said and said that Zatko was fired for ineffective leadership and poor performance. And this is all happening while a Delaware judge called Elon Musk's request for data about Twitter spam and fake accounts absurdly broad, but still ordered Twitter to provide a smaller subset of the information. So a lot going on here. This has kind of been unfolding ever since the whistleblower came out a few weeks ago. Uh, Will, what do you think of this second letter? Do you think it is going to be effective? I don't know. I kind of tuned out this story like in July because it just kept dragging (laughs) on. I don't know if everyone else feels that way too, right? Like just put it to bed one way or the other. Purchase it or don't purchase it. I don't care at this point. Make a decision. I guess if you get into the weeds here, it is a little bit interesting. Like the Zacco guy looks looks pretty professional, right? But why'd he get fired? I'm not quite sure. It seems like probably shouldn't go out and whistleblow in your company. Not a great move. But his background's pretty legitimate, right? DARPA, Alphabet, others. He's probably like a uh, back in the 90s, he was a big hacker. And so I think a lot of people wanted to use his talents. Jack Dorsey hired him there. And then he turns around whistleblows on Twitter. And now Elon Musk is using him. What a weird world it would be to be like in the center of all these billionaires and be sort of a pawn for them. That's kind of an, an odd instance here. If Elon buys it, that would be a big deal, right? Because stock market has really been down for quite a while. Don't think Twitter is quite worth what it used to be worth back in the spring, just because we've just seen a tumbling prices for all tech stocks. Twitter's adamant on seeing this go through, which is quite a reversal from the spring, right? Where we first saw some hesitancy from Twitter, a lot of hesitancy from people inside Twitter who were against Elon Musk buying it. And now they are moving forward with it. I guess you probably owe something to your investors if you have a huge offer on the table and there's some clauses making sure it closes. Zach, what do you think? I don't know. I'm with you. I tuned this one out a while ago. This happened back in <laughs> April when everyone was captivated. They're like, oh, my Elon's going to buy Twitter. Oh, my God. And then the Doge went pumping for no reason whatsoever. It was, yeah, those were the days. But this this seems like in the weeds of legal proceedings. And I guess, hey, he said it twice. He doesn't want to do this thing anymore. So just listen to him and let him walk away and <laughs> settle in court. Pay the money for messing everything up and... Let's be done with this thing. Jen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of just want people to listen to Elon and let him walk away too. I, in the intro, I mentioned, you know, the judge saying that his, his request for information is kind of absurd. And I think the quote is, is funny. So I'm going to read it. The judge said trillions upon trillions of data points for more than 200 million users was overly burdensome and no one in their right mind has ever tried to undertake such an effort. And that's kind of what I think the general public has been saying about this. Like, why is Elon so focused on finding out if that percentage that Twitter claimed, I think it was 5%, is true. I don't know, Zach, do you have something to add there? No, I mean, I just, I think it is worth <laughs> sort of remembering the, the the bigger picture here, right? The fascination, I guess, for a Coindesk audience is, will Elon decentralize Twitter into some sort of public good protocol, which has been sort of a vision that's been espoused by Jack Dorsey for a number of years now. Uh, Jack Dorsey recently said his greatest regret was turning Twitter into a company. So it's interesting to speculate about what this future might be. But also the time is ripe, and we've seen a lot of decentralized social media firms pop up, right? And I think it's now the time for them to sort of seize this and be like, hey, let's see if we can get the party over here, whether it's Lens Protocol from Aave, whether it's Deso.com, which we heard a lot of noise about over the past eight to 10 months. Now is the time, I think, for some of these upstarts, these Web3 upstarts to say, okay, you know, here's some problems that uh, are being brought to light. We have a potential solution 
and it's decentralized social media and it can be better for X, Y, Z. I don't think we're seeing a lot of noise around that because there's not a ton of conversation about the legal proceedings here in this case. But I think now is the time. No better time than the present. Get to it, decentralized social media people. Wednesday's top story. So we're going to talk about SBF visiting the White House. So Sam has been in the news recently for a couple of different things. So he went ahead and visited the White House to essentially speak on behalf of the crypto industry. As most of you know, there are currently battle going on in the White House with the CFTC and the SEC, who should have control or the say so and lay the law down when it comes to crypto. So he went there for that. And then he was recently interviewed by Bloomberg and he talked about some of the mixed results he had from the different crypto bailouts, as some of those are still going on. I actually want to toss this over to Jen for her thoughts. I want to talk about the bailouts first. I think it's not surprising to see that there were mixed results, right? We saw SBF and FTX get involved in bailing out a lot of companies that were in distress because of the Terra Luna fallout. And I don't think it's a surprise that there are any mixed results. But I love SBF. He's starting to sound like a politician. He's really not giving us anything. He's silly playing it safe. In the Bloomberg article, he says, you know, he doesn't mind whether the SEC or CFTC regulates the industry. But then if you look at the Coindesk article, FTX does currently have a proposal before the CFTC that says the agency should settle crypto-related transactions. So I just think SPF is getting really good at playing it safe in the media. And that is my takeaway from this story. Will, what do you think? There's some great nuggets in this story. The first one I want to talk about is Voyager and BlockFi. Really interesting to see that SPF saying that Voyager was a bad purchase, bad loan. I think they lost 70 million, he says. But BlockFi was not. And that's because they have the option to purchase it, it seems. Also because BlockFi has a really solid team, he says in this interview. BlockFi just ran through their cash flow. They burned out through their treasury. They didn't have a lot of options, but they have a solid product, they have a solid team, and they're still there. Really interesting to see that. And I, I like how just he's flat out about it. He kind of owns it. I also like later in the story how he's talking about to his team. He's like, your goal is to not get our faces ripped off. Your goal is not to make us a fortune. It's for us to make okay deals. And for looking at this, this, this huge brand, FTX, that just kind of popped on the spot after 2019, it's fascinating to like think about what's going on inside the shop and how this brand has been so successful because it's been huge, right? It's made so much money. Everyone's looking at this darling unicorn of the last bull cycle and wondering what is like the leadership behind the current and what's it like to be on this team. And I think we get a little glimpse of that with the decision making on the deal making here. Zach, up to you. Yeah, I want to go quickly to the Washington influence, right? This has been a long-term play from Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, big-time sponsor of the Joe Biden campaign last time around. I think it was the second or third single largest donor to the Biden campaign. So the fact that he has a little bit of sway uh, in the administration would make sense, right? And I think, obviously, he's becoming sort of a celebrity of the crypto world. And Samcoin is, is surging when it comes to political capital. So it would make sense that he'd be in D.C., having these conversations and credit to him for being open about sort of the inner workings of uh, the allegations of him being the JP Morgan of the crypto world, the guy coming in and, and saving the day. Yeah, the fact that this is out there, I think doesn't say a ton to me, does indicate that, yeah, he's becoming one of those trusted figures who can go to DC and get a meeting and, and have these conversations. 
And I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. And I don't know if there's anyone else sort of rivaling him for that cachet in the DC scene right now. Surely behind the scenes, ex-regulators working on behalf of various venture capital firms are likely having similar conversations. But in terms of industry figurehead, it seems as though SBF has sort of taken the mantle for some of these regulatory conversations in the nation's capital. Wendy, I think I saw your hand though. I'm going to toss it your way. In the article from what Will said, Sam said that BlockFi was profitable or could be profitable from what I understand. So I wonder if any of the regulation that Sam's trying to push is also going to help with some of the loans and different types of passive income that you can earn on BlockFi. So if it will be kind of restructured and remodified so we can actually use these CFI platforms, because it is a lot easier to use them instead of going to the bank for a loan. Like It's almost impossible to get a loan from the actual bank. From my personal experience, if you want to get a loan, you have to kind of do so at one of those check and cash places or use your credit card. And those interest rates are high. Thursday's top story. More money, <laughs> sports desk time. Let's talk about it. Sports desk. <laughs> I can knock it over that little roar at the end. Okay, crypto.com is rug pulling. Just kidding. They just pulled out of a deal <laughs> with the Champions League sponsorship deal. A $495 million deal to sponsor the soccer league or the football league, as we should probably say. Uh, they came in after a Russian gas agency was removed from the previous advertisement deal because of the war in Ukraine. Crypto.com jumped in as opportunist, saw a great opportunity to put their information on billboards like we've seen them do in LA and with some other uh, sports leagues here in the US. But because of a few different things, it seems to be around regulatory reasons, they're actually pulling out of this deal. For me, I'd be curious to know more about like the money side of this because a lot of these things are drying up right now. Crypto.com also had some layoffs of its staff. So is that something more to do with this than just the regulatory scope? But at the same time, there's a lot of regulation questions as well. Jen, can throw it over to you for your take. Zach had his hand up, so I'll let him take it first. Yeah, credit to <laughs> sportsbusiness.com for getting the scoop on the record. So this is all according to them. But yeah, money's tight in some of these exchanges now. So maybe spending big time on sports marketing partnerships isn't where those dollars should be going. Will, you mentioned some of the cutbacks alleged to have occurred there as well. So that is, I think, important context that uh, that needs to be discussed. But hey, I mean, crypto.com, you got the Staples Center. It's the crypto.com arena. I mean, what more, what more do you want? You got one of the big old US sporting venues already in the bag. So for this to fall through, maybe they just took the hit on whatever fees were associated with pulling out of this deal and contented themselves with just having the Staples Center. But hey, what do I know? Jen, over to you. Yeah, Will, I thought the same thing you did when I first read this story. They had layoffs. They spent something like $700 million on the, on the Staples Center. And now, given the current market conditions to back out of this, isn't surprising. But if we look at some of the regulation that's been happening in the UK, especially when it comes to crypto advertising, I think that it was just a good business decision for them to pull out. You know, the UK regulator has really been cracking down on crypto firms, I think earlier this year, 50 uh, were put on notice for misleading ads. And the, the um, requirements for crypto ads in the UK have to make it clear that digital assets are unregulated in the UK, not urge people to buy Bitcoin or any other crypto or create investment FOMO. And I think if we were to look at those three points they can be applied broadly to almost any advertisement. And so it, I think it was a clever decision to just back away from this given current market conditions. And 
given the changing regulatory landscape there, Zach, your face says that you do not agree. You're trying to, you're trying to tell me that fortune <laughs> favors the brave is meant to stoke FOMO? Are you suggesting that that is a FOMO pitch? Because I don't know what no. you're talking about. Fortune favors the brave. How could you not get the brave. it? Just favors the brave. Matt Damon brave? told me. I'm brave yeah. now. Matt Damon told me to be brave. I'm brave, damn it. Let's go. That's what I'm about. Let's be fortunate. Will, kicking it to you. You're a football fan, yeah? No, not at all. Uh, but I will say, I think Jen's reasons make sense, right? You have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. It could be for regulatory concerns. It could also be for marketing. It could also just be because there's a down market and you need whatever excuse to go out there. It doesn't matter because I don't think people care at this point. Everyone knows that the market is down and you don't want to spend as much money on marketing right now. You want to build. It's biddle season. Time to biddle. So put away the marketing season. for now. Put all your ideas in your little chest drawer. We'll come back in two years with the great ideas and all the big signs and the parties. We'll get back to it. Don't worry. But for now, fiddle season. Time oh, to bail. Next, next bull run is going to be so crazy. That's like world domination <laughs> mode for crypto next mm-hmm. time around. Woo, it's going to get spicy. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.